Welcome to episode number 224. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing what our homestead Christmas meal looks like based off of the majority of the crops that we grew this year on the homestead. As well as some of our Christmas family traditions, in hopes that maybe you'll want to try some of these recipes on your homestead and in your Christmas prep as well. Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, best-selling author of three books, including my newest book, The Family Garden Plan, which releases this coming January. I'm also the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy, as well as my website, melissaknorris.com, with the Pioneering Today blog. And this podcast is where we talk about homegrown and homemade using modern homesteading techniques to raise, preserve, and cook your own natural organic food, no matter where you live. We're all about embracing the best of the old-fashioned life and bringing it into this modern world. Welcome. I am so happy to have you here with me and joining me for today's episode. While we tend to have a little bit more of a traditional Thanksgiving menu on our homestead, Christmas can vary, especially when it comes to our main dish or our main meat. So some years it has been some of our chickens, sometimes it's a turkey, sometimes it's a ham. But this year we are actually doing a smoked pulled pork. Now in years past, we have raised our own pigs and then butchered them when they were small and done an entire pig. We've done that a couple of years. This year, we didn't have our own piglets. We didn't raise pigs this year actually at all, mainly because I had enough pork and other meat in our freezer that we needed to work through and to use. And so we took a year off from raising pigs, but we're looking at getting another set of piglets. We actually met a new local farmer who raises pigs and we're gonna be getting them some from them, I'm pretty sure this spring. My husband and I are still debating and talking about it, but pretty sure that we'll be doing pigs again this year. But maybe I should back up a little bit here and say that we are hosting, and that's been the tradition for a number of years now, I think probably close to 10, that we host Christmas Eve here on our homestead for my husband's side of the family and all of his uh, siblings and quite a few aunts actually, and will come up and we have that extended side of his family and do Christmas Eve dinner. Then we flip it and Christmas morning, we host my parents and my two younger siblings and their kids because they live really close to us. Now, extended family wise, my family is really, really large. <laughs> there are, I'm actually one of 10 kids. So my dad, we have, he has 10 children and we range um, there's a big age range there. My oldest sister, so my oldest sibling, is in her 60s. And then my youngest little brother is actually in his early 20s. And so um, my dad, I'm from his second marriage. And so my half siblings are older than me. And then I'm the oldest 
of my dad's second marriage. And then I have two younger brothers. So you can imagine getting 10 adult children together. Almost all of them are married or have a significant other and have children of their own. So when we all get together with the grandkids and the great grandkids, like everybody, it's 60 plus. I honestly don't even know the exact count anymore. I know that sounds bad, but there's a whole bunch of us. So I say that because we don't get together with my entire extended family on Christmas Day, mainly because nobody's house is really big enough to host and to hold everybody. Uh, some of my siblings do get together still in the latter part of Christmas Day, but we usually stay home and don't join in on that day and just kind of have a little more cozy Christmas. So when I'm planning out, because we're doing both sides of our family, one the night before Christmas Eve, and then we do a big breakfast Christmas morning with my parents and my two younger siblings, I try to pick the main dish that we serve at Christmas Eve. So I'll have enough of that meat to then serve in a quiche or a breakfast casserole or something like that. And usually that works out really well. But this year we decided to do, we're going to do a whole pig. We're going to do a smoked whole pig and have pulled pork. And I love pulled pork, but I don't really think I want pulled pork in a quiche. I don't know. Could be awesome. Let me know if you've done pulled pork later the next day in a breakfast casserole. I would love to hear about it, but I'm not sure that I want to put it in a quiche. So I haven't quite decided yet, but we will definitely have leftover, leftover pulled pork. And that's our Christmas Eve main dish. Now, when it comes to the sides, then, of course, I'm going to be planning the sides and the desserts to a degree that kind of fit and go with whatever our main dish is. So this year with doing our pulled pork, I will be doing homemade rolls so that you can make like a slider if you want to do a pulled pork sandwich out of a roll or just have the roll independently. And I'm trying to decide at this point, I think I will probably end up doing two types of rolls. One will be my signature and I say that because I have family members. If I don't make these rolls, then I hear about it <laughs> and complain that I didn't make them. So I'm going to be making my um, soft whole wheat honey dinner rolls. And then I think I'm also going to do a sour type. Excuse me, not just sour. It helps if I put dough in there. A sourdough type roll as well that'll be a little bit more firmer, more like a mini hamburger bun and not as soft as just the regular rolls. So I'll probably do two of those. And then, of course, we're going to do a side of baked beans with molasses because how do you not have baked beans when you have small pulled pork? Definitely doing those. And then some of our other sides, and this is where we really get to feature items from the garden. I still have Brussels sprouts growing out in the garden. Even though it were clear into December, they grow really well in our cold climate. So we are going to be doing bacon wrapped Brussels sprouts. This is a side or an appetizer, but delicious. I had this at my aunt's house on Thanksgiving and I we love Brussels sprouts and I roast them and do all different things with them but this was fabulous and so we're planning on doing it again so you just take your whole Brussels sprout you know rinsed and outer and peeled you know all the things to prep your Brussels sprouts and then you take a piece of bacon and you wrap it around your Brussels sprout soak your wooden toothpicks ahead of time so that they don't burn in the oven just soak them in water for a few hours 
and then wrap that piece of bacon around your whole Brussels sprout. Use a toothpick, put it through it so that the bacon stays wrapped around it. Preheat your oven about 375 degrees Fahrenheit and then just roast them. You can turn them, you know, at about the 20 minute mark, you can turn them over to get all sides of the bacon kind of evenly cooked. So the side that's down on the pan also gets a chance to be cooked until the bacon is done and your Brussels sprout is roasted and done as well. And the addition of, I know bacon makes everything better, right? For most people. And it's the saltiness of the bacon and the smokiness of the bacon makes the Brussels sprout taste sweet. It's this wonderful combination of savory and sweet with the vegetable. And I know a lot of times people at the holidays will do dates or figs wrapped in bacon, but those aren't something that we're growing on our homestead. And so ideally I like to use as many of the, as much as what we're producing ourselves in our meals. And so Brussels sprouts is great. So that's going to be one of the sides that I'm serving as well. Up next, especially with the pulled pork and the sliders, is we're going to be having a coleslaw. I still have cabbage that I've got a few heads actually out in the garden that are growing just fine, that were protected from our really hard freezes, and so they're fabulous. I'll be bringing those in and doing some coleslaw. And then I also have from the summer where I fermented up and did cortito. So that is actually a Spanish fermented, basically a sauerkraut, but you put in the addition of oregano and garlic and carrot and onion. Oh my goodness. It's been by far one of the favorite lessons in the fermenting series, which is inside the membership, the Pioneering Today Academy of the members. So I'm going to have that set out as well to actually put on the pulled pork and the sandwiches. And then the addition of for those who don't like fermented food, which I promise, even if you're not a huge sauerkraut fan, the cortito is just a whole nother level. It is absolutely delicious. We love it but I also will have coleslaw as well. So people can pick and choose. Maybe they're going to decide to have both. And I may or may not, I have to see confirmed how many people we have coming and how much food I need to prepare, trying to decide if I'm going to do a green bean casserole. Y'all know if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time that I love green beans. It's something that we've been seed saving and raising for multiple generations in my family. And I always have a full year's worth of green beans canned up and in the pantry. So I will probably do a green bean casserole, but you know, homesteader style, I do not do green bean casserole like you probably are used to seeing using condensed cans and French fried onions from the store. Instead, I make a quick homemade cream. You can really turn it into cream of anything. And in today's show notes, the blog post that accompanies this episode, I will link to my recipe and I walk you through how to make homemade condensed cream of anything soup. And if you want it to be cream of mushroom, cream of celery, cream of chicken, etc. I give you all of the tips and the notes to adapt it to make those variations. But it whips up really fast, less than four minutes. It's delicious. And that's what I use to make all of my casseroles, including a green bean casserole. I don't ever buy the cream of anything soups from the store anymore. So my green bean casserole consists obviously of green beans, 
this homemade cream of probably will do mushroom cream of mushroom soup and then instead of doing the french fried onions on top you've actually got a couple options you can do sometimes people like to do roasted nuts so they'll do like roasted almonds or walnuts or whatever your favorite pecans and then put roasted nuts on top so you kind of have that texture and flavor of the crunch but the other easy solution is to take your dehydrated onions not onion powder but actual you know like the dehydrated onion the flakes or the minced dehydrated onions and sprinkle those right on top and use those instead when you're making your green bean casserole so then you still get a little bit of that crunch you get the onion flavor but you don't have to purchase the french fried onions from the store and it's just an easy peasy way to whip up a whole food foods version real from scratch ingredient version of a green bean casserole. Now, when it comes to dessert, we gotta talk about dessert, right? It's Christmas Eve and then it's gonna be Christmas morning. So we always have desserts and it always includes some type of fruit pie or pumpkin because I've got pumpkins from the garden. I still have my cured pumpkins that are sitting in the pantry, just checked on them yesterday, and they are still doing fabulous. And then I also have my cubed pressure canned pumpkin on the shelf. So I'm not sure if I'm gonna do a pumpkin roll or a pumpkin cheesecake, but probably a pumpkin something for dessert as well as a fruit pie. I've got, I still have apple, pie filling, cherry pie filling, blackberry pie filling canned, ready to go on the shelf. I don't have to do anything with it. And then I do still have in the freezer, blueberries and raspberries that I never did get canned up into any type of pie filling, but I could make a pie out of them. So I'll kind of wait till we get a little bit closer. I don't know which fruit I want to use, <laughs> but I usually do apple at Christmas. It's one of my father-in-law's favorites, but my mother-in-law's favorite is blackberry. So we'll see who ends up winning this year. And if you didn't catch my new YouTube video that walks you through how to make perfect flaky pie crust every single time, you're going to want to catch that. It has the recipe as well. The recipe is also on my blog post on my blog, and I'll link to that again in today's show notes, which are at melissakinoris.com forward slash 224 because this is episode number 224 but you can freeze up the pie dough so I'll actually be doing that this coming week so then on Christmas Eve all I have to do is pop that top off of my pie filling put it into the already prepared and done up pie crust and then just put it in the oven and I don't have to worry about baking and doing everything that day because I'll be focused on the other things that I can't really do up ahead and of course you guys know when you're having anybody over to your house you want it to be even cleaner than normal you want your presentation so the you know decorations like you know, it's just human nature. When we're having people over, we like things to look a little bit nicer than they usually do in just everyday life. So by having all of my pie crusts and including the pumpkin roll, because it freezes like a dream, I've also got a tutorial for you. If you didn't catch that walking you through how to make those, then I can spend a little bit extra time on any type of extra decorations that I want to make or put up and just making sure the house is extra spick and span. I actually like to host things every so often because I can clean my house a lot faster and a lot deeper when I know people are coming over than I can any other time. It's just like that extra push of motivation. So I find it's actually a really good thing if we host things every so often because I get that deep, thorough clean that I don't normally always do if we don't have people coming over. Just true. So that's what our Christmas Eve meal is looking like. 
And then for Christmas morning, we usually always do biscuits and gravy. So we usually split it up because my mom is an excellent cook. And my biscuit recipe is actually her recipe that she handed down to me. She's a great baker. And so usually she will bring the biscuits because those are easier to travel with. And I'll make the gravy. And sometimes I do a chocolate gravy, which if you have my book handmade, you know the story that I made that special for my daddy. I hadn't had it since he was a little boy. It was a very special treat when he was growing up. And so I surprised him. He hadn't had it since he was a boy. And so I surprised him one year. I found a recipe for chocolate gravy and made it for him. And that was actually part of his Christmas present. I surprised him that morning and made it. So I don't know this year if I'll do chocolate gravy and regular white sausage gravy because we still have sausage that is from our pigs that we raised and butchered. So usually I do both. I'll do a sausage white gravy and as well as a chocolate gravy. And then oftentimes I'll do up some type of quiche because again, I can have that pie crust already made up, frozen ahead of time, ready to go. And all I have to do is just whip the eggs, add in my meat, some cheese, vegetables, throw it in the pie crust. Well, pour it. I don't throw it (laughs) and then bake it up. But it's little hands on time for me to do Christmas morning before everybody gets here and have it ready to go. And then this year... My husband and my children requested just last night, actually, that I do up more homemade croissants and specifically the ones that I put the chocolate in. So I will be starting croissants and have those ready to bake up Christmas morning. And I will probably share them with my parents and my siblings who happen to come over. But I have to make sure that I've got enough baked so that we can have those just with my kiddos and my husband in our house for a few mornings in a row. So aside from the vegetables and the sausage and of course the eggs on Christmas morning, that menu doesn't have as many things from our homestead because I don't have a dairy cow. So any dairy that we're purchasing and I'm not growing my own wheat yet. I think that would be fabulous and really fun to try a test plot. It's just not something that we've done. So all of the bread products and dairy products, I should say, the grains and the dairy products, which is a little bit more heavy that we use on Christmas morning for breakfast, those aren't from our homestead, but eggs and the vegetables and any of the fruit definitely and the sausage are. And one of the things that I like to do is if there's any of those ingredients that we are purchasing and we're not raising here on the homestead is I like to look at what I'm purchasing, especially during the holidays. I just find it easy to do. And then because right after the holidays, I'm going to jump straight into planning out our garden and the orchard and our whole growing plan, including livestock for the following year, which heads up you guys. You're going to want to make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast in my email list because I'm going to be having some really special, totally free things that are going to help you and walk you through planning out your homestead year specifically with growing your own food. So just a little teaser, make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss any of that because it's going to be awesome. And we're going to jump into it right after Christmas because I'm going to be doing it for myself. But I like to take note if there's something that I'm purchasing during the holidays that will grow in my growing area or where we live, where obviously where we live is where our garden is at. I make a note of that to then look into later when I'm doing all of my planning to see if it's something I want to incorporate or bring into our growing plan. 
So that is a wrap on my homestead Christmas, kind of our traditions on where we go and host and how we split it between our two families, as well as our Christmas menu plan. Thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait to be back here with you on Friday for episode number 225, where I'm going to be going over my top takeaways from our gardening season in 2019 with things I've learned, things I'm going to do the same, and things I'm going to do differently, that's going to be great. And if you have some special Christmas traditions, I would love to hear about them too. I always love to see what other people are doing because I get such great ideas from you guys as well. In fact, that's how the bacon rat Brussels sprouts made it into our Christmas menu because we had them for the first time somewhere else. So it's always fun to incorporate and try new things. So let me know either in a review of the podcast episode on social media or shoot me an email, but I would love to hear about it. Okay, bye for now. I will meet you back here on Friday. Mm-hmm.